listening to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. A podcast for today's insurance agents. Informing. Educating. Empowering. Improving the way you do business in an industry that's anything but static. In today's episode, if you've got questions about Medicare medical savings account plans, this bonus episode was created just for you. I recently had the chance to sit down and talk to Jim Handlin, president of Lasso Healthcare. He was very kind to answer all of my questions about the Medicare MSA product. I learned a lot about MSAs during our conversation, and I'm excited to pass along that information here on the podcast. So hopefully you can learn just as much as I did. Well, hello to you, Jim. It's nice to have you here again here in our studio space here at Ritter Insurance Marketing. Well, thank you very much for having me. I like the uh, studio. Definitely uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's a lot different than uh, than the last time that you were here sitting down with us. I was going to say, a year makes a big difference in everybody. You guys are in new digs. Uh, we're a year older and yeah, very interesting. Absolutely. So... Jim Hanlon, um, you are with Lasso Healthcare. Can you give me your official title at Lasso? Yeah, Lasso, I am the president of Lasso Healthcare Insurance Company. We go by Lasso Healthcare or Lasso, a lot of people call us. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a co-founder of Lasso. So I am the president, but also a co-founder and owner of the company. Okay. And how about before we get into kind of what your plans are like, what your company is like, why don't you tell us a little bit more? Your company's main product that you started out with was an MSA. What is a Medicare MSA? A Medicare MSA. So first of all, it's good to say it's a Medicare product. It's a Medicare Advantage product. And it stands for medical savings account. It is a combination of just that, a tax favored account along with a high deductible health plan. It's a zero premium product by law. And we, what's interesting is a lot of people say, oh, just like a health savings account, you can actually contribute money. But the you is not the individual. It is we, the insurance company. We get money from the government, just like every Medicare Advantage plan. And we actually give a portion of that. Almost half of the money that we get from the government goes in a deposit at the start of the benefit period to each individual who signs up. And so basically, they have that money. They can use it for any qualified medical expense, and they control their own care. And there is a high deductible, so it's two components, a deposit that we give and a high deductible health plan. And so basically, there's a risk reward that is very different than any other Medicare Advantage plan that we'll get into probably in more detail. But uh, basically, it's a combination of high deductible plan and a deposit into a tax-favored account. Okay, so it has some similarities to the HSA, which I was actually going to ask that question next was, you know, how they differ the MSA from the HSA, because I think a lot of a lot more people as they're moving into retirement are going to be having these HSA products. So they're going to have a little more familiarity with the way that this type of deposit works with qualified expenses that you can use the money for. But let's get back to why the MSA? As a healthcare company, you could have gone the Medicare Advantage route, you could have gone the MedSup route and still had that Medicare focus, but why the Medicare medical savings account? Okay, so interesting question. And I will say there are a myriad of choices, very, very good choices in Medicare. 
if I was Medicare eligible, I would have a great broad choice. So why another product to muddy the waters? Mm -hmm. The answer is, if you look at it, a lot of good choices, but they're all becoming commoditized. You have a Medicare supplement and everybody knows I pay a lot of money or at least grows over time. I have basically full coverage, but my problem is the premium, the high premium. Mm. Or I can go the Medicare Advantage route and I have what usually is the Achilles heel, the limited access. I could still pay a little bit more or have less benefits for a PPO product that gives me broader choice. But you really still have that maybe lower cost up front, but mm. lower access also. So why not a product that actually gives you a little more control, literally, about your health and healthcare choices? Zero premium by law. We give you money at the beginning of your benefit period. You use that how you want. And so you have broad access. You have the access of all original Medicare that you can go to. So it's really the combination of the best of both worlds. The risk point on this one, since there is a risk point, of course, is that you have more immediate exposure than any other product out there. You actually have obviously a high deductible. That's the definition of the product. We lessen that sting through that deposit. So you manage your money wisely and your healthcare wisely, your health expenditures, but also preventive services over corrective services. And you can do really, really well in the MSA product. So differentiation, one, is really the succinct way mm -hmm. to answer the question. Uh, a new product that just isn't out there. HSAs are very, very popular. And you see a lot more people with HSA account balances aging into Medicare. Mm -hmm. They look for something similar in the Medicare space and they come up empty. We are a monopoly in 26 states plus Washington, D.C. And I actually want to bring more competitors into the MSA. I want people to understand really how it works. I personally am an HSA account user, account balance that I have. And I want an MSA available for me when I'm in Medicare. And so I want to give that option for Medicare enrollees. Okay. So it sounds like to me what you're saying is that this was your differentiator. Dave Dietz says that a lot. Dave Dietz, our VP of uh, marketing here at Ritter, he says that you want to have your differentiator, the thing that sets you apart from all of the other companies. And it sounds like the MSA has really been that for Lasso Healthcare. Very much so. It We actually built the company specifically for the medical savings account. We want to bring the MSA to every state within five years. And we put that sort of lofty goal out there at uh, year zero, and everybody was like, how is that possible to be in all 50 states plus D.C. in five years? And so you put aggressive goals out there. We started in 17 states our very first year going in. We're in 26 states plus Washington, D.C. And for 2021, which is just around the corner, thinking about the uh, next AEP, there's a really good chance we're going to be in 35 plus states. So wow. we're already almost two thirds to our goal, thinking about the, the next sales season and excited about having this out for everybody to choose. And then we'll let it up to the market to figure out and uh, obviously the agents to showcase the value and and see where it goes. Right. Well, go big or go home, right? That's what we're planning, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going big. There you go. So you mentioned with agents selling this product, are there any challenges that agents typically face when they're selling an MSA? Is it something, do people understand what it is? Is there kind of that barrier of the Medicare beneficiaries not really knowing even what an MSA is? Yeah, so I will say that there are lots of barriers. It is the simplest product out there. Mm -hmm. There is truly a deductible. Below the deductible, it is the individual's responsibility for all costs and, and all care. 
and above the deductible, it's Lasso Healthcare Insurance Company's responsibility for all Medicare AB covered services. So very, very simple. And we obviously give you a deposit and that you can use for covering those services below the deductible. So very simple product, but it's very different for a Medicare beneficiary. Mm -hmm. And it's also very different for an agent. An agent, and I don't mean to make it stereotypical, but realistically, they're used to selling two types of products. Mm -hmm. The original Medicare with a Medicare supplement that they sell, and that's about two-thirds of every initial buyer picking that still because of broad access. Mm -hmm. But knowing what you're getting, you get a premium that's going to grow over time but you know you pretty much have safety of everything covered and ease. Mm -hmm. You can go where you want. On the Medicare Advantage side, really competitive products. Mostly people are gonna be selling zero premium products and mostly zero deductible products. And also very good carriers out there that everybody know and trusts. So you have that safety and known entity. Sure, you have upstarts that come into either of those categories, but realistically, that's just a new maybe insurance company name that mm -hmm. people are getting more conversant with. But the product is not different. I truly think we've made it harder for agents because we're a brand new company. Nobody knows Lasso Healthcare. And we're also a brand new product. Nobody knows an MSA. And so I think both of those, it's not that it's a hard product. I think it's trying to find the right time with everybody's schedule of how to actually understand the product well enough to be able to sell that product and be confident in that sale to say, all right, it's a new item. It's interesting, mm -hmm. but are you one of those individuals who's buying and or selling something that says, I'm going to wait a couple of years to see how the market goes, just to see if people are interested, to see if Lasso Healthcare is still around. But realistically, I do think that every year, every enrollment benefit period that somebody waits they actually lose another deposit that they could actually be gaining from sort of that financial impact perspective. And so absolutely, it, it really is. And we can talk more about why and what an agent can do. But I really think it's the newness of the product. Mm -hmm. It's the uniqueness of the product. And it doesn't hurt to say, all right, is Lasso going to be around for a year? We made it through our first year. Mm -hmm. We made it through our second AEP. We've made it through the first ICEP. We've gone from 17 states to 35, basically will be 35 states in the next AEP. So I think we're showing that there's progression and we're not mm -hmm. actually contracting. We're going big kind of thing. And so, but I think that's getting the confidence of the market and our agent base mm -hmm. to actually say that, understand that and say, you know what, I'm willing to take more of a chance on that one. Okay, so we talked a little bit about objections, and one of the things that I feel we do need to cover are the enrollment periods for the Lasso Healthcare MSA, because they're a little bit different than the typical Medicare enrollment periods. They're more limiting. I will actually say that is an objection that a lot of agents say, all right, very interested in the MSA product, but the enrollment when you can get in is more limited. And we'll talk about the actual benefit periods, and then the why they're more limited. Mm -hmm. And so the two times that you can get into an MSA product is AEP on an annual basis, as most people know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the one. And the other is your ICEP election. Even if you delay, so ultimately you keep working, that would count as your initial election, but only basically initial or at AEP. And then people will come back to me to say, oh, but I'm actually permanent change of address. Why don't, why can't I? And I scratch my head and say, I would like it to be also that you could in that example. I've worked with CMS and currently they haven't figured out a way around their own rules on that one. So there's only two, I'm not saying they're all sensical, but uh, there's two times that you can come in. AP on an annual basis, you can come in and go out. 
and then at ICEP also you can. So I talked about go in and go out. When can you go out of NMSA once you're in? Again, limited on that, and there's a reason for that, and I'll get to all of those. But I'll start with the big one that a lot of people confuse, and even they'll ask, uh, they'll call 1-800-MEDICARE, and, and they'll say, can I get out of the MSA during OEP? And the answer is no, even though Medicare.gov and Medicare 1-800-MEDICARE doesn't always know that. It's very clear in the rule mm-hmm. that you can, once you have, you have to understand that you really are signing up for this for the full benefit year, whether that is mm-hmm. whatever start date through December 31st. And that's all about the deposit. It truly is, we give you front-loaded at the beginning of your benefit period, a deposit. And then if you actually, a month later, let's say at OEP, say, ah, I got the money, now I'm going to cut and run to a different product, it is hard to get that money back. The government knew that and basically said, we're not going to do what's called pay and chase. We're not going to go out and pay all these individuals a lot of money, a full-year deposit, and then, then they can all jump to a different plan. So if there is not a desire to be in the product for at least the full benefit year through December 31, then pick a different product. But ultimately, it really comes down to most people are pretty stable in the product that they choose. Don't get buyer's remorse. But think about it during AEP and Mm -hmm. be locked in your decision (laughs) because there is no OEP. There are on exits, if you do actually have a permanent address change, you can get out of a MSA product. If there's a five-star election, if you felt like going to a plan that was five-star in your area, you can do an intra-year special election period. But they're very limited on the SCP. Mm -hmm. So the answer is, not that it's a long time, but one-year period with AEP, Mm -hmm. understand, choose accordingly, knowing that it's a full-year commitment that you're getting into. And so very limited ins and outs. And all of that has to do with the money that we give you. Truly, it was because of that that uh, prevents a lot of uh, ability to go out. Right. So there are options if you run into clients who are concerned about, you know, I'm not really sure if this is for me or not. Maybe that's a time where you can have the conversation about the hospital indemnity plan or about the additional cancer, heart attack and stroke insurance that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll throw in our first uh, we've we've completed our first full year in 2019 and we're in our second year of operation. But one of that gives me a start to some data. And one piece of data is that we're growing. We've tripled in size. So I, I'll say that people are are liking the product and we're probably even going to triple again intra year with some of the membership that we're going to put on in 2020. So we're growing aggressively with the MSA, mm-hmm. which is really good. But that retention, that first the group of people who started on 1-1 and picked the product in 2019, mm-hmm. um, a standard in Medicare is above 80% is very, very good at retention because there's always, unfortunately, death that occurs. So the involuntary disenrollment type of things. And then there's the voluntary at the end of year of I didn't like my product or mm-hmm. um, it didn't function well, I couldn't access care. I didn't get my money as promised. And so it's really important to say, what is that? Greater than 80, you're doing pretty good. Less than that, you know that something is not operating. We were above 85% this first year in retention. And so what it tells, it's it's one indicator. We're going to keep trying to get better. I want mm-hmm. people to, when they should, stick stick with the product because I still want them to be smart choosers of their health care. And if they say mm-hmm. it's not the right move from a clinical or a financial perspective, they should shift if they want to. But the answer is that people could access care 
they got their money on time, they had a very good experience, and they came back for a second year. And as they came back for a second year, they had a lot more membership that greeted them for their first year. And we hope more and more of that happens as we continue to grow. Have a good conversation with your clients about you have to understand this is a full year and don't be surprised when OEP hits and there is no OEP for MSA. That's an important understanding that people still, even CMS is not, they're working through, they're getting better and educated at. Right. And it just goes back to needing to know your products, understand the training. And of course you have trainings and all of that available for agents to learn all of that before they get into actually selling out in the field. So you can also educate your clients as well. Definitely. And so, but I will say everybody, when you really come down to it, contractual things, the in and the out are always very, very important. So know when you can get in and when you can get out and uh, just understand it is more limiting on both of those, the goes ins and goes outs for MSAs. And you, if you're blaming someone, you're blaming the deposit. You get the value of the deposit, but uh, therefore you can't cut and run before end of year if you get that deposit. And if you do any time, no matter what, doesn't matter the reason, a prorated portion of that current year is owed back to the government and therefore Lasso Healthcare, who has to supply that money back to the government. So mm -hmm. understand that, again, in your training, it's pretty clear that is true. That's only the initial year deposit. If you make it through December 31, 100% of that money is yours. But if you don't make it through December 31, there's a prorated portion that you are required to pay back. All right, good to know. We talk a lot on the Agent Survival Guide podcast that we have. We have trainings, we have tips. We talk a lot about confidence in your selling abilities and keeping up with training and understanding, fully understanding the products that you're selling. And I'm guessing you have a multitude of training opportunities available for your agents that you're going to walk them through this process, you know, so that they are going to feel confident in selling the product once they get out there and they go through all of these trainings. I, I really do think that. I bring it down to a couple key tips. The first one is AEP is a hard time to learn this product. Mm -hmm. Again, very easy product, but AEP is packed in with meeting upon meeting. You really have 54 days of just intense sales time. That isn't the best time to really get your learning on how to sell the MSA. Right. And initial election coverage period, the ICEP, the turning 65 timeframe, is a much longer sales period potential. Mm -hmm. It still can be intense. We have 10,000 baby boomers coming into Medicare every day for the foreseeable future for maybe the next 10 years. So you got mm -hmm. 3 million potential or more than that potential enrollees every day. But realistically, you have a window that is a lot longer in an ICEP and a turning 65 enrollment possibility to educate that consumer. And the other thing is I go back to the HSA. A health savings account balance is a really good indicator of one, are you ripe and would you be interested in an MSA product? So mm -hmm. a lot more people are aging in with HSA account balance. So finding that intersection of maybe try it out in turning 65 and also somebody who already has an HSA account balance, both of those would be a really good time period to start honing your skills on how to sell an MSA. 
Absolutely. Now, if someone has that HSA account balance, are they then able to transfer that money over into an MSA or is that something that they're not able to transfer that money over? Very good question. And everybody wants, I will say the banking industry, the lobbyists, everybody is trying to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. But one of the things is that you actually have to keep due to tax rules, separation between your MSA bank account and your HSA bank account. Now, the question, the next step is, can you use them for the same things? Yes, they're interchangeable on Mm -hmm. most qualified medical expenses of what they can use them for, but you actually have to keep them separated. So it's up to you. You could actually, Optum Bank is currently our MSA, HSA bank that we actually deposit all of the annual deposits in, and it's annual. So again, Mm -hmm. if you stay more than a year, you get a deposit every year. But you could have an HSA account balance with Optum Bank and an MSA account balance, and you get to choose where you want to go, but you can't commingle the funds right now. Okay. One thing that I'm kind of thinking is that if I'm an agent and I'm selling to someone who has an HSA that and they have a decent balance, they could go ahead and use that balance on whatever qualified things that they might need to take care of and let the balance or the deposit from Lasso Healthcare stay in the MSA and maybe they don't touch that until they've depleted their HSA. I don't know if that's a strategy or if you want to get into talking about any kind of strategies there, but just a little selling tip that maybe you can kind of fact find to find that out when you're talking with your clients. Well, what I will say is that talking to your tax advisor about the HSA and MSA and the combination really makes a lot of sense. But one of the great things, the flexibility of the HSA, it's a little different than an MSA it has, you can actually use it for your Part B premiums. You can use it for your Part D premiums to pay for those types of things. And you cannot use that same piece for an MSA. You can actually use it for qualified medical expenses, Mm -hmm. but not for premium payments other than long-term care. So it really is a good idea to use your HSA for maybe paying some of those known premiums that you're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. You have to buy a standalone Part D coverage or at least have credible pharmacy benefit coverage because you're not allowed to integrate that into an MSA. Mm -hmm. So you're probably going to have a Part D premium. Use your HSA for that. And the nice thing is that you really have a triple tax win on whether it's an HSA or an MSA. But in an MSA, let's take the example that you're spending most on the current HSA that you have. All the money that you get coming into an MSA, you can you get interest on it, interest-bearing account. Like you, that. <laughs> it, that's, that's a win. Yeah. You can invest it if you want to. So truly, you can invest it into the market. Optum Bank has many different investment vehicle choices. And all of that... All of that interest and all of that investment income is tax-free. Just like the investment that we do annually, the deposit, all tax-free if you use it for qualified medical expenses. So you have it goes in tax-free, it actually earns income tax-free, and it goes out tax-free. That is huge. I mean, most people discount. We actually have a very high deposit, and that was the intent of how we went out. And we'll talk about specifics of the deposit. But uh, each year, we have a very high deposit that we offer up. But you can make money and continue to make money off of that deposit on an annual basis, and all of it is tax-free. So really what we're doing is we're giving financial independence. A lot of people truly in Medicare live very close to paycheck to paycheck. And so they like the concept in the Medicare Advantage of either a zero premium or very low premium. We're doing something similar. It's a zero premium by law product. But what we're doing is financial planning for being able to say, I actually now have the ability to build a nest egg. Mm -hmm. And 
if five years from now I actually test drive the MSA and say I built over ten thousand uh, dollars of my nest egg, but I want to do something different, all of that can be used for deductibles, for copays, for coinsurance. Any of that, anywhere you go. So whether if you jump to a Medicare supplement product, if you stay with Medicare Advantage and pick a zero premium product and might have a deductible, all of that has, that's your money and it's portable. So that's a similarity also that a lot of people think, okay, it's too good to be true. The government gives me money. I keep that money. Then I leave the plan. That money must not stay with me. That $10,000 example, you've been with the plan for five years, but you decide it's the right time to move on to something else. That's your money. It goes with you. It's portable. It's still tax-free. Absolutely. I think one of the best things I've found about an HSA from having just the deposit itself is that you find yourself being able to utilize the care that you may never have utilized before because you have that money. So to be able to give that peace of mind, I think, to a person who is, you know, coming up with the idea of, wow, I am going to be living paycheck to paycheck and this is going to be a really tight crunch, you know, a big budget change to what I'm used to before I retired. I think the point you made right there, and I'm smiling, is the the control piece that goes along with basically you're actually controlling mm -hmm. where you go and how you pay for your care. And I do think that's really interesting and at the heart of the MSA. Clearly, we dangle a carrot, and that carrot is an obvious, we actually put money in your account every year. But it's the power that you decide where you want to go, who you want to see, the services that you do. You become more engaged as a consumer. Mm -hmm. I know everybody 10 years ago said, all right, consumer-driven health, it's going to happen. And then five years ago said the same thing. And then today said the same thing. And we really, in the commercial space, we've seen a lot of growth in the HSA market. But mm -hmm. in the Medicare space, realistically, it still is very much, I don't care about my care because mostly I don't have to worry about anything of, all right, either I have a very narrow network and I go where my doctor tells me to go and I don't question it, or I have a very broad network and first dollars covered and I don't really think about any of the services that I do. This actually gets you engaged. Mm -hmm. You still have that broad access, but you can decide where you go. You're a little more interested in what are my service choices? What are my outcome potentials? What provider might I see? And the cost matters. It's going to ultimately mm -hmm. hit somebody somewhere at some point. So cost really does matter. And even uh, clearly in emergent care, you don't care about the cost. But truly thinking about less emergent care because you want to catch it upstream. Thinking about smarter preventive services because that is smart care. Do more preventive, less corrective, less emergent services. All of those are a win. Right. I mean, it comes down to, like you said, with being more engaged in your health care, I think financially, that is, it helps you to be able to plan out for the things that you can plan out with your preventative services, but it also gives you that ability to have what you need in case something should happen. And if you are managing, like I remember you had said before that this is a good plan for people who maybe have some health issues, but they are managing them. They know what their cost in and out is per month. So this is something that could be a financial benefit to a member possibly coming in as opposed to taking on a Medicare Advantage plan or a MedSup when it comes to their health care. Very much so. I think both for the agent, their clients, the end consumer of this product, a lot of times we get pigeonholed into it's only a healthy, wealthy type of product. Right. I would actually dispel that a little bit and say 
from a very wealthy individual, they don't care about the premiums that they're going to get for a high G or a high F or a, sorry, a G or an F. And so they'll, they'll pay that for the ease of basically broad access, first dollar coverage, those types of things. And so that's not the problem. I think it really is that financial ability for somebody who is maybe not as well off. Um, that could be the really big win. But still, the first question that you ask, whether you're the individual buying or you're the client and you have an agent working with you, you actually say from the clinical component, are you well-suited for this product? And the answer really comes down to if you've been inpatient five out of the last five years, mm -hmm. it is not going to be financially viable. Clearly, you're not in control of your health and your care, or you wouldn't be inpatient every year. Less than 20%, truly about... Uh, 10% of someone with three chronic conditions or less, which is the average in Medicare, that's the number that go inpatient every year. Even if you actually, so 10% is uh, less than 10%. But the problem is, am I one of those 10? Right. Uh, what, how do I know? And so realistically, you say there's a couple different strategies that you could actually worry about because that's how you're going to go through your deductible. One is taking time as the test and saying, over a 10-year period, truly, you'd have to go inpatient seven times out of that 10-year period to make it worth it for having a plan F or a plan G or something like that. Okay. It would be more beneficial even if you went six years in a row out of those 10 years and you had an MSA. It would still be more beneficial to have an MSA product. The other, clearly, you don't want to do that. So you would actually say, all right, in the last five years, have I been inpatient? If the answer is no, or maybe once and you knew the why and it was controllable, the answer is, are you in control? If yes, you will make money in the long term. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the short term, though. That's where the financial. So I'll say there's a clinical component and then there's a financial component. If that bad case does come about and you go inpatient, had nothing to do, you knew yourself pretty well, you look in the mirror and said, I'm healthy, I've never been inpatient before but it's winter time in Pennsylvania and I slip on the ice and I go inpatient and I had a really nasty fall and it costs a lot. The answer is, did I control for that? If I didn't have that nest egg build up, if I wasn't independently wealthy, if I didn't have a large HSA account balance, there is a delta between the deposit and deductible. Can I control for that? The answer is, it could be because of an HSA, but in my example, I don't have any money. So mm -hmm. could you buy an ancillary product? The answer is a critical illness product, a cancer stroke, heart attack policy would be really, really good. Or just a hospital indemnity plan that we have products developed specifically to made up with the delta between our deposit and deductible. So you can pair a Lasso Plus, which is our hospital indemnity product, with our MSA. But it doesn't have to be a... MSA plus hospital indemnity all within Lasso. I will actually say one of the things that avenues that I'm going to advocate here, we don't even offer, but a cancer stroke heart attack policy is a great policy. We're not going to offer them. So this is independent. Pick <laughs> one, whichever your agent ultimately says is a good choice. Pair that with the MSA. And even if you use that as training wheels, if something bad does mm -hmm. happen, the nice thing is you ultimately might say, I'm going to keep that. If I leave the MSA, go to a maybe a low-cost PPO product that I have on a Medicare Advantage, mm -hmm. it's still very useful. So you can keep that with you and it is portable between products. It's really a very good option to go. But if you want maybe just that training wheels, mm -hmm. our hospital indemnity plans are a really good combination with the MSA. 
Now, I know you had mentioned before that you could actually get the combination of the MSA plan, you could get the hospital indemnity plan, and then, like you said, with having it as training wheels, once you get to a point where you have enough in your MSA account, the balance of the entire deductible, you could actually drop that hospital indemnity plan if you needed to. I mean, obviously, you're probably not going to advocate for that because you you want full coverage, um, but that is a possibility that you could go ahead and do that. If you're, you know, managing your health care, if you typically don't have the risk associated with going impatient. No, I actually say that, that <laughs> that's a good strategy for us. Yeah. I, I will say that critical illness, keep the product, buy the product now, keep mm-hmm. the product. And it's useful for if you have a plan G or F or something like that, that mostly has first dollar coverage is probably not going to be quite as beneficial, but it's useful across the entire spectrum of Medicare products. If you pick our hospital indemnity product, the Lasso Hospital Indemnity product, Mm -hmm. it truly is. It was built specifically for an instance, a period of time. It was built to help you attain your financial independence when it comes to this product. So it was really built for just that. It was basically the best way to look at it. It's a stepping stone or it's training wheels that at some point you're going to take off. You don't have to, Mm -hmm. but you want to build that financial independence of having enough in your MSA account that you truly can cover the delta between any given year period of deductible minus deposit. So that is that independence that if you have that and can keep building that, you can weather one year, multiple years. And then I will also say, just like I want every consumer, it's not just about the healthcare goods that you're actually consuming and thinking about, it's the health insurance products too. So each year, on the MSA, and you don't hear a lot of insurance companies say this, look at, is this the right product for you? Mm -hmm. So truly is 10 years ago when you bought this and started on your venture of making money and building your nest egg, you did really, really well. You have $30,000 now, 10 years later, wonderful. But ultimately you could lose that very, very quickly if you ultimately said, I didn't think about my care now and my health needs now versus 10 years ago. And so that really matters. So every year, do that checkup. Work with your agent and or just look in the mirror and say, what were my healthcare costs this year? And are they going to change markedly? Is this an indicator of things to come? What should I do? Everybody should do that. I always bring up the example of, do you look at your car insurance every year and actually look for another quote? And if the answer is no, then why not? I'm in insurance. I own an insurance company. I look in the mirror and I say, I don't do that either, but I should. So I should take my own advice and actually do that. The same thing is true with health insurance. It doesn't mean you're going to change, but you at least should do that internal checkup, work with your agent, figure out, is this still the right product for you? That's true with an MSA or any product that you're in, even the MedSupps, which nobody wants to move out of, but uh, it's still good to check up. Absolutely. Well, if you have a client that maybe has the MedSup plan and they are in that plan because of the fact that they like that all of that risk is you know, accounted for, maybe that is another sales tactic that you can sort of use to pitch the Lasso Healthcare MSA and the hospital indemnity plan that, you know, look, if you keep this for two to three years, you ride it out, you know, keep these training wheels on like we've designed it, you'll be just as covered as you are in your MedSup plan. 
I think one of the things that we're seeing and we're going to see more of is that as MSAs continue to make inroads of what people understand and just even it's a best kept secret type of thing, mm -hmm. you're going to see more of that transition from a Medicare supplement. Here, Somebody who's been on a MedSup for maybe five to 10 years, they're starting to pay upwards of $300 a month for a Medicare supplement. Mm -hmm. They love the broad access. They love the ease. But nobody loves to pay $3,600 and they know that they don't spend actually $3,600 in care and it's going to keep getting more and more. I would advocate to say, all right, take that $3,600 a year, put that in your own account and mm -hmm. basically try out that ba that is your starting point for how to cover the deposit minus the deductible for your first year. You might actually take a little bit of that to get the hospital indemnity plan to actually mitigate 100% of your risk and then wean yourself of that as we discussed. But ultimately, you just save truly. You're actually making money off the deposit every year. Mm -hmm. You actually save $3,600, spent maybe a little bit of that to buy a hospital indemnity plan or some other ancillary product that is going to mitigate some of your risk. And you're on your way to financial freedom. And truly, if you ultimately say, but what in five years, what if something goes wrong, then pick a low cost, ultimately low cost, maybe zero premium, modest deductible PPO product because you like broad access and go that route. And so it really is, I think we're going to see more and more of the switchers and probably those med sub switchers, maybe even more than Medicare Advantage switchers. Medicare Advantage switchers are the more obvious ones because they get mm -hmm. guarantee issue every year and they can go back to whatever product that whence they came from. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, I think we're going to see those higher premiums and broad access and you say, I get zero premium. I actually get a deposit every year and I have the same access. I should test drive this. And I think we're going to see more of that. Right, right. Because with Medicare Advantage, you can have the low or zero dollar premium and you have that network that really restricts where you're able to go and you don't get a deposit. So when you put Medicare Advantage up against an MSA, depending on what your health actually looks like, you know, if you're in that 10% versus the 90%, I mean, the MSA seems like the obvious way to go. It seems like the smartest choice to make, really. It, it's really, really good. And, and I think I don't want to, I just want to say there's lots of good products out there. I've said this before, mm -hmm. so I'm not disparaging any, but there's, everybody has blemishes. And so realistically, <laughs> if you look at an HMO product, the Achilles heel of an HMO product is that restricted access. And you're seeing a lot more HMOs now that say, well, we don't have prior offs or we don't have referrals needed. They're almost becoming HMO light type of products mm -hmm. because it is very clear that still Medicare Advantage is growing, mm -hmm. but 203 people still buy ultimately original Medicare with a supplement type of product or some sort of backstop from mm -hmm. original Medicare. And the re reason really becomes they want that broad access, even if they don't use it. So mm -hmm. if there was only an HMO flavor or a PPO flavor, I would take a PPO even though I know I'm paying a premium and that could be a zero premium, but paying a premium of reduced benefits or higher cost because I like the potential of going out of network. And right. do I know the stats? Yeah, like 95% of people don't go out of network, mm -hmm. but I still like that flexibility. So you get both of the best of both worlds. You actually get zero premium, 
you get original Medicare access point, and then we'll double down and actually give you a deposit every year into your own account. That's your money to take with you wherever you go eventually. So it is a pretty interesting and different option. And uh, I hear a lot, and I would say it's a lot, it's a Medicare Advantage product, so you actually get a guarantee issue right every year, Mm -hmm. but it's really a lot more like a MedSup in the way it acts, that Mm -hmm. it's a broad access, original Medicare access point, you can't couple it with a Part D. So we're a bit of a straddle product of some of the best of both worlds of that mm-hmm. access point is really, really good. And you have a guarantee issue right as you do with all Medicare Advantage plans. So you really get some interesting features of both. Yeah. What else other than the deposit and the obvious healthcare coverage does a beneficiary get when they become a member of a Lasso Healthcare MSA? Well, the one thing that I'll say is that I really like that control piece, thinking about the preventive over corrective. Mm-hmm. So above and beyond the annual deposit, we actually have a health incentive program. So we actually say that you can earn above and beyond the the annual deposit, $250 in gift cards. And so these aren't random gift cards that nobody would ever use. So if you're thinking Amazon, yes, Visa, yes, Target gift cards, you choose the gift card that you want for doing three easy things. One is doing a health survey. It's recommended every year. I basically say, look in the mirror and answer some questions about your health, doing sort of that personal personalized health checkup. And mm-hmm. CMS, Medicare actually recommends that done on an annual basis. So that's one item. Work with any doctor and order a lab full lab panel, item two. And then take those first two items, the health survey and the results of your lab panel, and work with your doctor on a non-acute visit. So I'll say an annual wellness visit. The point of the non-acute component is that you're not going in there with a broken arm or with, uh, I have pneumonia or something. You really are talking about what is your individualized care plan? What are you going to do differently? And I'm sure it's the desire of, I want to eat better. I want to run Mm -hmm. more. I want to, whatever it turns out to be. But truly, if it is just the example of, I am going to do these three preventive care items, and Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. And that's what your doctor recommends with the chronic diseases that you have. Coordinate on that, execute on that. You can earn up to $250. Each one of those, the health survey is $75. You each can do it independently. We want you to do all three. But if you just do two of the three, you would still get the value. $75 for the health survey, $75 for the lab panel, and $100 for the annual wellness visit. Every year we're going to do this. And the point of that is trying to engage everybody in Is it selfish? Yeah, I'll say it's selfish, actually, (laughs) because more preventive services, less corrective services, uh, you're never going to hit your deductible if you don't go inpatient. And the odds of you going inpatient if you do the smart, right things is very, very low. So everybody wins in this one. The member and the insurance company are both taking risks side by side in our product. It's pretty interesting because we're bringing insurance back into Medicare insurance products. (laughs) Well, and two, it seems like when you are talking about the end goal, having the beneficiary be engaged with their health care, I mean, if this is something that they've never done before, they can get the MSA, they can get the hospital indemnity plan, and you kind of have this plan in place with these gift cards and with these incentives to sort of bring them on almost like the baby steps into those training wheels, like, hey, you have these opportunities that we're going to reward you for doing these things and getting you kind of up to speed with where, you know, you should be as far as being more engaged with your health and having a better idea of like, okay, maybe after a year or two of this, maybe we're going to need to go on to another different type of plan or maybe we're okay and we can stick with this MSA, drop the hospital indemnity. 
And I, I think right there is the heart of, for me, what success is with the MSA product. Okay. It really is. It's interesting that you get to Medicare eligible. And a lot of times that means turning 65, but not a guarantee. But you're, you're 65 and you really haven't understood healthcare choices. Mm-hmm. And that means health insurance choices, because a lot of times it's, am I going to pick the plan that my spouse has or that I have? And it really becomes, those are my choices. Mm-hmm. It's not about, do I know what a the premium is, premium versus deductible, co-pays, those types of things. Yeah. It's really about A or B kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. And then inside of those, not the insurance component, but the health component, what are the things that I should be doing? What are just the smart things of, yes, I know theoretically I should eat more healthy, but uh, what truly, if I had to do five things, what should I do each year? Mm -hmm. Trying to get some of those and then all of it is that financial independence as a wrap. So truly health insurance understanding, health choice understanding, and basically driving some financial independence in the realm of, I'm not going to solve all your finance problems, but (laughs) in the realm of at least insurance components of health insurance. If people actually do that and learn a little bit in any of those three buckets or all of those three buckets, that's a successful venture in the MSA and somebody who's done well with the MSA product. And I'm happy that we're bringing something different and a little more engaging to the market. Absolutely. So those are some of the benefits that we have for the beneficiaries coming in. What about an agent selling? Well, I think the value for the agent, I'll be very candid. Mm -hmm. The value for the agent is we're different. So Mm -hmm. I started out saying the value is it's a little harder. It's going to take a little more time. But let's be honest, differentiator matters. Being Mm -hmm. the shiny toy can bring a lot of clients interested to say, oh, I'm going to talk about what product gives you money in Mm -hmm. Medicare. Zero premium and you can actually make money and it's your money. That does not mean ultimately all of those, I dangle it out there and not everybody's going to say that's still for me once I learn a little bit more about the MSA. But having something in your repertoire to sell that is a little different than what I'm saying are getting to be commoditized products of HMO, PPO, same insurance companies, Mm -hmm. all very, very good. They're really good products, but they still become very commoditized. The same thing on the alphabet soup on the med sub side. Okay, so now I pick a G. Maybe I go an N. But whatever it turns out to be, I sort of have the same carriers and it's just the flavor of the month on there, you're bringing a little bit more interest and differentiation to your clients when you actually can talk about this product. Specifically, if you actually desire to sell this product and there is value because you get a Medicare Advantage commission, you get a standalone Part D commission, all of that if you actually sell with a hospital indemnity product, you actually get ancillary products with a cross-sell bonus. So there's, I will say that from a commission perspective, you truly have the potential to make more money on the MSA and all the wraps associated with the MSA than any other Medicare product that you would sell out there. So from a financial perspective, (laughs) clearly make it the right sell. But if you actually do find the right client that is a good fit, which is broader than everybody thinks, Mm -hmm. I think the agent is going to do very, very well in this product too. And what about renewal commissions? So renewal commissions are just like Medicare Advantage. So basically first year is uh, the, I'll I'll say the national, which is 510 right now. Obviously some states are different, Pennsylvania a little bit higher, Uh, but then you actually have renewal commissions, which is half of that. So 255 on most states that we're in. Uh, And then again, you're having that same thing on the Part D side. 
And uh, if you buy a hospital indemnity, you also have that commission structure too. So really in perpetuity, um, just like most, I'll say most all Medicare Advantage plans. So you have that continuous stream as long as somebody's on the MSA product. So quite high value when it comes to payment commission structure on the MSA. We talked a little bit about an ideal customer, and one of the things that I like about how you talk about this product is that it is not just the healthy and wealthy clients, but that you can really look at whether one of your clients is managing their health, whether they know that they've had these inpatient risks. Are there any other factors that we should be looking for when we're trying to pinpoint whether the MSA is a, is a good fit for our client? I'll say that realistically. I go through my two-factor test, and I'm going to keep saying that and repeating that because it's always good to re- repeat. So I'll say the clinical analysis and then the financial analysis. The clinical analysis comes first. I won't go through all of it, but I'll go through an example. I think a type 1 diabetic is a really good example. And type 1 diabetes is something that you get early. It's different than type 2 that could be due to health or sedentary or lifestyle choices. But so type 1 diabetic, you've been living with it for most of your life. So truly, if you are still living and you are successful, there is a good chance that you've learned to live with that disease. You've been able to have food choices, lifestyle choices that can actually live with that disease. You still have that disease. It's a chronic condition. You're going to have it all your life, but you've been able to do that. Even with type 2 diabetes, eventually you're going to have to either be able to come out of the ups and downs, the tumultuous period of your disease and coping with the disease. But in type 1 diabetes, you're living with it. You're already acclimated to it you're in control of your chronic condition. Very good, I think, example, poster child of how you would do well in the MSA. It doesn't have to be a type one diabetic. It's an example of somebody in control of their chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to somebody who unfortunately is not and may be new to type two diabetes and really having some troubles when it comes to blindness, unfortunately, amputation of a foot or something like that. Clearly not in control and a Mm -hmm. lot more high spend. Those are not the times that you would say, this is the perfect product for you. So somebody hypertensive, somebody who has diabetes but in control of diabetes, Mm -hmm. those two are the most popular diseases that we have in Medicare. Mm -hmm. And if you're in control of those diseases, you are a perfect fit. I think a lot of people say only the marathon runners, only the triathletes, those types of things. Realistically, I applaud everybody who can do that. That's wonderful. (laughs) But that's probably not the broad Medicare population. Somebody who is hypertensive but in control, diabetic in control, even heart failure, something along those lines, COPD, but in control of your chronic conditions, those make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Let's go back to the finances a little bit here. I know that you had said that Optum Bank is the bank that you partner with for the MSA product for the deposit. Is that the specific bank that you recommend that clients work with when they sign up for everything? Is it the one that they have to use? Can they choose another one? Immediately, they have to use the Optum Bank. And when I say have to, it's not arduous at all because we picked a national leader. They are one of the biggest HSA banks in the country. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a tax-favored, IRS-approved banking system. So basically, it's an HSA bank. Not your bank down the street. Not the bank down the street. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the bank down your street. But ultimately, it has to be approved by the IRS. And so an HSA bank really is an opportunity for an MSA bank. 
And so OptumBank is one of the largest in the nation when it comes to HSA banking. And so they already have all the tools when it comes to, and when I mean tools, it really is not that hard. We put money into a bank account, you get mm -hmm. a debit card, you can use it as you want. So very, very easy in that regard. But mm -hmm. online tools, if you actually want to save the money as we talked about, invest the money, all of those are already built in. So you can do any of that online, go immediately to see your account balance, change your investment vehicles, mm -hmm. all very, very good and immediate. But let's say you actually do, and what do I pay for all of this? Zero, zero banking fees, as long as you're an MSA member with Lasso Healthcare. We pay your banking fees. So that's so huge. That, that's very, very big. So you get basically an investment portfolio, mm -hmm. you get free banking, you get interest. If you obviously do investments, you'll get all the investment income. Mm -hmm. You see all of this online. You get debit cards if you want to use the debit card or you can pay you can pay via your own Visa card with points or whatever you want to do and then reimburse yourself. All of that available to you at the cost of zero. If let's just take the example that for whatever reason, maybe because you have an HSA with another HSA bank and you want to bring them all together. It's your money. It's portable. You have to move it to an approved institution. But ultimately, I say you have to. You don't have to, but there will be IRS implications, meaning you'll have tax liabilities if you right. move it from an HSA approved account to a non-HSA or MSA approved account. So you want mm -hmm. to do that, but you can. It's up to you. You just... I would say that we are not paying the fees associated with any other banking institution. So mm -hmm. if you move from current Optum Bank to your favorite institution, it's your money. It's portable. You can do any of that. Just understand, again, be a savvy shopper and say, if there are fees, don't be amazed by that because there are zero fees with the MSA. Right. Uh, all that is possible. So you have to set up an account. And if for whatever reason you already had a plan because you, you really did think this out, you're like, all right, day two which truly January 2nd for two years in a row is when we deposited full amounts, full year deposits for everybody who enrolled for a January 1 enrollment. January 1's a banking holiday, so you can't actually do that. <laughs> and before that, we're not allowed from CMS rules because of benefit period. It's before right. the benefit period. So January 2nd, we've been pretty consistent. If you already had the plan that January 3rd, I'm moving it to my other tax favored account, I can do that. Just be smart and know what you're going to incur if there are any other extra costs there. Right. But all of that, again, your money, it's portable and you can do with it what you want. All right. We have talked about the deposit being made, the annual deposit. Can you give us some numbers as to what that annual deposit looks like for our clients? It is a very large deposit. And and so $3,240. That and And honestly, people always say, how can we do that? And truly, I go back to two things. One, the first is we're taking risk and reward with every member that signs up. It's voluntary. You decide if you want to choose the MSA. But if you do, there's a high deductible. Mm -hmm. And But we obviously lessen that sting significantly with a very significant deposit, the $3,240. I'm going to reiterate the other component, which is 100% of that is done at the beginning of the benefit period. So I just gave the example on January 2nd, you would get that full amount. Mm -hmm. It is not like an HSA account, which is normally done in a monthly period that's an investment. Mm -hmm. I will also use the example like an HSA that we, we as in the government through Lasso Healthcare fund 100% of that deposit. So mm -hmm. it is not actually, and this is 
a good thing, but members always ask, can I put my own money in? In this case right now, the rules are restrictive and not mm -hmm. like an HSA that you can't. That's also why we make it a big deposit. So there's not a lot of complaints because oh, I can't put my own money in. We put a lot of money in there for you right. and that's annual. So mm -hmm. each year we could vary the deposit, but our goal is to keep it a very significant, interesting amount or people won't say, all right, it's an interesting enough product. So <laughs> we definitely have, we were the highest amount by far at 3,240 that's ever mm -hmm. been in the MSA market. And, and so very significant annual deposit and we do 100% of that. That's the synopsis of what everybody needs to know because people always go, but you fund it, not we fund it, yes. Mm -hmm. we, we share that risk and reward, but that reward is that every year we give you 3,000 plus dollars. Now, this might be asking you to get out your crystal ball a little bit, but with any future legislation, do you ever see it getting to the point where um, beneficiaries are allowed to put money into an MSA product? Is there any kind of legislation on the move or um, groups lobbying for that? I think there's it's a really good question because there's a lot of lobbyist action on two different fronts. Mm -hmm. The front of being able to combine an HSA and an MSA, right. which right now you can't do, but it would be very advantageous. And the banking institutions are very interested in seeing that happen. But it's good. for So obviously there's some selfish components there. Yeah. But it's really good for the beneficiary who actually has both to be able to combine those funds, leverage the investment vehicle, or just make it easier to have one card that does everything. So all of that's possible. At the same time, I think there's a lot of interest to allow, which I'm not sure which is going to come first or if they both happen, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of interest of allowing individuals to contribute to a tax-favored savings account like an MSA. So okay. not just we, as the insurance company, using government funds to be able annually to put a deposit down, mm -hmm. to truly, it becomes an investment vehicle that you can add on to it just like an HSA. So if you think okay. of the employer as the government in this case, you might co- invest in your HSA future or HSA bank account, same concept with the MSA. So I think both of those are viable. Not sure the, uh, you know, of course it's the crystal ball of the when, not sure, <laughs> but uh, I think they're both in action. Let's put it right. that way. A lot of lobbying around it. Okay. So $3,240 is the annual deposit. What about the member responsibility? Okay. So member responsibility, and I'm going to go first with deductible and then define member responsibility. Okay. We have three different regions. We're in 26 states plus Washington, D.C. at this time. Mm -hmm. Lots of counties, uh, almost 2,000 counties in, in all of those uh, areas. And in each of those counties, that's the lowest common denominator. There is one product per county. So you're going to have a region one, two, or three, and they have three different deductibles. So 7,400, 8,400, and 9,400. Those sound like really high, bad numbers. Uh, so what do we do? To make it equivalent- First, we subtract the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the deposit, yeah. and then it sounds a lot better. Yes, exactly. Well, so <laughs> that, you just actually answered the question. What is member responsibility? To truly, to get it to, I'll say, an apples-to-apples -apples analysis of max amount of pockets. So truly, if you think of most max amount of pockets are $6,700 within an HMO product. And if you go out of network with PPO products, they're 6,700 in network and 10,000 out of network. Ours, to be fair, is 
high. Obviously, it's higher than the 6,700, but you have to be open to the member responsibilities, the difference between we have a high deductible, but we soften the sting a lot because you subtract the deposit that we give you. So realistically, the member responsibility is deductible minus annual deposit. And so now you actually do math and you say 4160, mm-hmm. 5160, and 6160. And that's just the math between the 7400 minus the 3240 and so on and so forth. Right. And so you really say it actually is a very competitive equivalent max out of pocket for Mm -hmm. everyone. And so you say, all right, I get money. There's a good chance I'm not going to go over my deposit, let alone my deductible. But if I do go through my deductible, 100% Medicare AB is covered by Lasso Healthcare Insurance Company. And it's the equivalent of only 4160 in at least the region one example. And so a very, it's the I think buyers are going to become aware of that and more interested in that, but it's still the what if. If I go inpatient, then do I have 4160? We've talked a lot about how to mitigate that risk, Mm -hmm. but if you can mitigate that risk through hospital indemnity or other ancillary products, you have a whole lot of value to go where you want and to make money on an annual basis. And even if you lose one year over time, you're going to ultimately, the math is just going to say you're going to make money. Or you knew you weren't right for this product if you knew that five years running before you were inpatient and this wasn't the best pick. But you either know that or there's a really good chance over the next five years that you pick an MSA, you'll do well with the MSA financially. Right. Well, and if you're truly engaged with your with your coverage and what your healthcare spend is, then you might know ahead of time, hey, I only spent 900 some dollars on my total health coverage last year. I'm definitely going to make money on this. So I think you bring up a really good point to say, how do I know? Mm-hmm. I'm worried about what if, if something goes wrong, but how do I know I'm going to be a good fit? I gave the clinical, I gave the very high level financial, but there's a couple tools out there. I will say, if you want to just, if you're a very analytical person, look at your EOBs or your last EOB, if you have a full year of EOBs of last year, and see what truly was allowed cost. If you're actually, especially if you're on a Medicare supplement, we max out at 100% fee for service. So you can't pay more than 100% fee for service, which is you can pay less, but not Mm -hmm. more than, which is awesome. That's exactly what Medicare pays. So if you're on a Medicare supplement, that's what you're getting billed and allowed. If you actually look at what you spent for the full year last year on your Medicare supplement, you have a really good proxy of, now if you had voluntary surgery and it was high, you might want to take some of those anomalies outside the equation. You have a good feel. If you don't have that at your disposal, we do have access on our website to a tool called Medicare Suggest which is actually a third-party tool by Milliman. They're a one of the biggest actuarial firms in the nation. And they basically take a black box and say, I'm going to take all your individual claims. You do a single sign-on, you do a secure sign-on, you port claims from Medicare, from CMS.gov, you port claims from, let's say you have a, another big insurer that you can sign on to their actual member portal and grab claims. And so it's all your own information And then actually will go through the analysis of every product in a given county available to you, both standalone Part D and MAPD and original Medicare as sort of the litmus test of here's the baseline. And it gives you your individualized analysis of truly based on your claim set and others of they have a national population of millions of Medicare members. Mm -hmm. 
how you kind of group and what's expected cost. So those are both two different ways to look at how can I actually say, is this going to be good for me or not? I will start with the, if you don't see seven or more inpatient visits in the next 10 years, there's a really good chance that longitudinally you'll do well in this product. But those are more analytical, real ways that you can tangibly say, that makes sense. And would I be a good fit? And will I win, quote, unquote, next year? Right. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of a lot of things to consider, but there's a lot of really good benefits to not just the agent side of this, but things that takeaways that we can use when we're talking to our clients about this product. Is there anything that you would like to point out that maybe we haven't touched on as far as the Lasso Healthcare MSA is concerned? Yeah, I actually will say the one <laughs> other constituent that I'll talk about is that the government, we all ultimately have taxes that pay for Medicare, so pay for all the services. Mm -hmm. I said there's very good, rich products out in the Medicare world that we all have a chance to pick. And the government, for the last two Tuesdays in a row, I've been in Washington, D.C., talking to the government, CMS, about the MSA, and they're very interested in seeing it grow. And so why? They actually want, it's not because they want A lot of people throw stones at high deductibles and say all all it does is squash Mm -hmm. utilization. People squash care that they shouldn't do or things that they shouldn't do, but also the things that they should do, like the preventive services, which you definitely should do. But ultimately, CMS sees it as we're trying to engage and inform consumers. They see it as a different slant on a high deductible and really want to see more of those types of things that the broad access, but they want to see their Medicare beneficiaries be smarter stewards of their own health and care. Mm -hmm. And if they're smarter stewards of their own health and care, everybody's costs are going to go down. So truthfully, I would say that this is good for the beneficiary, good for the agent. And CMS is interested in seeing this do well also. Why? Because they want to be good stewards of everybody's health, but also the cost of care is everybody knows is not going down. We have to figure how to make that start to go down. And, And this is one of those getting everybody more interested in caring about their own health and healthcare financing matters. So I think all of those is pretty interesting. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking about the individual side of things as far as Lasso Healthcare MSA goes. We appreciate having you here. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for hosting and having me. I really appreciate it and look forward to coming back soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Always informative sitting down and talking to Jim. He is so easy to talk to. And what I really enjoy is how easily and practically he can explain the Medicare MSA product. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with him. If you would like to learn more about Medicare MSAs, we will have links to some other podcast episodes that cover the MSA product in the show notes for this episode. We will also link to the Lasso Healthcare website so you can check that out and see all the states Lasso Healthcare is currently available in. And of course, while you're checking out the notes for this episode, Make sure you tap on that follow or subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all of our content as soon as we publish it. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus installment of the Agent Survival Guide podcast. We will see you next episode.